Hey everyone, this is Christopher Luxon, the former CEO of Air New Zealand. This is John Lee Dumas, the founder and host of Entrepreneurs on Fire. This is Tracy Ibarra. I'm an executive solutions at Dell Technologies. This is Travis Chappell, founder of Build Your Network. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change, to navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, my very good friend, Dennis Giannoutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. I am in Bonn, Germany, the former capital of Western Germany, and we are in a wonderful region here with the Rhine, Hills, wineries. The weather is mixed, but the trees are starting to blossom, so it's yeah. the best time of the year here. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. So Europe going into, well, it is in spring, and it's beautiful, and yeah, the Rhine River area, just beautiful place to be. Um, so yeah, very lucky, very fortunate indeed to be there. Now, Herman, I've given a little bit of an introduction to your background. Tell me, is there anything else you'd like to share about your background? I grew up in a small village on a farm, and that was in the 50s. It was like the Middle Ages, so we had no machines on our farm, all was manual labor. But I still have a very good memory of, of that time. Then I, I studied uh, in my first life. I was a professor for 15 years. And then I founded a consulting company, which you mentioned, Simon Kutcher and Partners, and led that company for the next 15 years. So that is basically my career. Another important period was my time in the Air Force. Originally, I wanted to become a Starfighter pilot, which was the fighter plane of the German Air Force in the Cold War, but I failed due to eye weakness. Still, I joined the Air Force, and that was important as an experience as a young leader. I will come back to that. Very good. And I see that Simon Kutcher and partners, that the organization, sort of the main area, is probably sort of focuses on several areas, but one of them is around pricing consultancy. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yes, we are the global leader in price consulting with 700 people, as you mentioned. And pricing, price theory, price management was my research topic during my time as a professor. And I always had the ambition to apply the insights, the models, not just to develop theory. And so we founded the company. We were the innovators, the pioneers in this field. And this is the foundation for our global market leadership today. Yeah. And you and I were having a little bit of a chat. Now, we're not going to say what the number is, but I just think that you and I, both in our ages and our careers, both have left the corporate world to go and start our own businesses very late in our corporate life. What was that transition for you like? I once had a discussion with my wife. My wife was a teacher, also a tenured for life, and I was a life tenured professor. We both gave up our secure jobs and founded companies. My wife founded a company in the media sector, I in consulting. And we were asking ourselves, why did we do that? Nobody understood that. 
We both come from self-employed parents. My father, an independent free farmer, and my wife's father had a, a little factory. And the answer was, we did not want to have a boss above us. If you do not want to have a boss above you, you must become a leader. You must stand on your own feet. I think that is the ultimate motivation why I became a leader. Yeah, me too. I mean, uh, but we're, both of us have been in leadership roles, of course, in the corporate world. But then to go and stand on your own two feet as well and to defend for yourself, go and build businesses while also employing others, bringing people into our team, that's just really great leadership. And I just think it's a wonderful thing too. So that's, that's pretty exciting. Now, my question for you here, Herman, is how did you get into leadership? It started actually in the small village. In our neighborhood, we, have, we had a gang of six boys about my age, but I, I was the, the oldest and the tallest, and I was the natural leader of this gang. The second stage of leadership development was during my time in the Air Force. That was at the heat of the Cold War, partially comparable to what we experience today in Europe. In 1968, the Russians marched into Czechoslovakia. So there was an invasion of the Russians into Czechoslovakia. And I was in a bomber wing of the German Air Force, which had only one mission, to drop nuclear bombs on certain targets on the other side of the Iron Curtain. And we had permanent NATO alarms. I have seen the nuclear bomb many, many times. And they were very difficult situations. And I was a young officer on duty and had to cope with these situations. This is an, an experience which a normal person in private life yeah, cannot experience. And the third phase of learning leadership was during my study times when I was a student representative and gave speeches in front of 100 students. That was after 68. It was turmoil, the student uprising in Paris, etc., so I think these were three formative periods for my own leadership capabilities. Yeah, and starting at a very young age with a gang of six, as you called it, right? I mean, it's wonderful to you. Yeah, you, you learn it as a child in, in the sports team, in the scouts group, or whatever the group is you are dealing with. Mm. Yeah, interesting how that all is and how that all works. Wow. Now tell me, this person can be from history or can be alive. Who's your favorite leader? And why? I do not have one favorite leader, but I would name three. Marvin Bauer, the founder of McKinsey. McKinsey himself, he died three years after the company was founded in 1932. And Marvin Bauer is the person who created McKinsey, the culture, the spirit, etc. The second is Joseph Cardinal Höfner, who was one of the most influential figures in the Catholic Church. Cardinal in Cologne. And the third person is Mickey Lee. She is a granddaughter of the founder of Samsung, and she founded her own company, CJ Group, which now has a revenue of $26 billion. I met these three persons, and they left a very strong impression on me. But I would also describe a group of leaders as role models. These are the leaders of the hidden champions. The hidden champions are mid-sized, unknown global market leaders. And I have written a couple of books about them. The newest one is coming out in May. 
hidden champions in the Chinese century. And these leaders, often founders, they deeply impressed me. And they're characterized by certain traits which are somewhat unique. Hi, Peter. Welcome to today's show. Great to have you with us. Well, thank you so much. I'm, I'm so glad to, I really am glad that we've made this happen. You way over the other side of, of my circle and, and clearly I'm out of your bubble on the other side of the world and by the magic of Zoom, we, we managed to do this. So I'm intrigued to, to see how this kind of unfolds tonight for me in the morning for you. And you are in Croatia right now, That's right? right yeah. So I'm in Splits on the south coast of Croatia. I'm, you might hear my, well, you might hear my accent. You hear my accent. It's not Croatian. I am British. I'm from London, but lived in, in Croatia for, for about 20, just over 20 years now. So uh, this is now my home, but, but I am actually a Brit. And what, what made you go to Croatia? It's a long story, but I, to squeeze it all together, I kind of, I was at art college, art, art school. And then I, once I graduated, I just wanted to travel. So I then went to, again, a long story cut short, went to six countries. In those countries, it was France, I lived in Paris, I lived in the south of France, Mallorca, Madeira on the uh, Portuguese island in the middle of the middle of nowhere, literally, Budapest, lots of other countries, six countries. And then I made my way to Croatia working for a, a British tour operator. That is where I met a, a young lady at the time. She was young. I'm not young anymore. She's not young anymore. I divorced that young lady, actually had two kids with that young lady while I was married, not divorced, obviously and made Croatia my home. So years went by and now this is really where I've settled with my company, with my business. And unfortunately, I, the, the work I do, I get to travel a lot, but always come back home here to the Croatian coast. And it's been an interesting time of the last two years whereby travel hasn't really been around for some of us. And for some of us, we've still been able to travel limited yeah. as well. Do you miss it? I did miss it. I did miss it. Mm. Fortunately, over the last six months, Things here on this side of the world, things are opening up quite well, especially in the Middle East. You know, I was in Dubai a week and a half ago and you wouldn't even think there was a pandemic it happened at all, Amazing. right? So, so I did miss it definitely, but then, you know, you adapt and you have to try, you try out other things. You have to keep those of us who have businesses, those of us who, who have to take care of ourselves, our families, but also people that work for us as well we you know have to think of those and, and look for ways to to adjust to adapt and survive so that's kind of what I did looking at really how I can coach people to do this as when I say this I mean speaking on zoom speaking through mm -hmm. virtual exchanges really helping people to get comfortable at this creating the connection creating this chemistry using all those techniques that we use in person in terms of public speaking and getting our messages messages across but here, the skill set's slightly different. So helping people to kind of retrain and, and do that really well. Because as we know, it certainly wasn't at the beginning. And for many, it's still tough now really to get that connection, that credibility, that trust through that camera screen and, and try to try to make build up relationships that are not in person, but virtually. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, I find this whole area fascinating and I've been really looking forward to this interview and in relation to what? In relation to the speaking side of things. But, you know, when I work with a lot of executives and leaders, we're talking about how do they connect with the audience? How do they communicate in a way that's really going to get the message across that most people are going to go, ah, I get it. And I think for sometimes a lot of people, Peter, they just get up there and they talk, they communicate, they're a talking head up front. And I'm just really excited about having you here. We're going to go through some questions about leadership and about what leaders are doing and so forth. 
Now, how did you get into this? How did you get into leadership? How did you get, get into working with leaders? So I, as a speaker coach, a lot of my work at the beginning was actually just sim simple soft skills communications, right? So I opened my company here in Croatia. A lot of the companies were local. And then it kind of moved more towards the speaking side. How do you, you know, the things you say, how you say them, and, and the impact that you have when you share those messages, right? And the perception, people's perception of you, the perception of yourself when you're sharing your messages. So all these things come into play. And really, a lot of it is actually the, the, the kind of, it's not a mind game, but it's, it's to do with how you feel about certain things that's going to help you kind of share and leak out those messages in a better way. So during those soft skill years, I call them, that gave me a lot of chart, a lot of opportunity to work with leaders, work with management teams, sales teams, then moving on to CEOs. And so the idea of, of a CEO coming to me for help when they needed to speak at a conference or they're on a panel discussion, or simply they just feel they need to kind of polish up the way they're sharing their messages in a more stronger way, that kind of came, became a reality because leaders that I've worked with, and I'm sure you, it's the same for you as well, for many people that are listening, in terms of the competencies of a leader, most have them, right? Most have the comp mm. those competencies, right? Because that's how they got to where they are, right? It, unless they, were, they got there another way, but we won't talk about that. But the thing is, in terms of communicating, this is a skill, whether you're a leader, whether you're a middle management, whether you just started your first day on your job or whether you're a teenager who's just coming out of school, right? Communicating is such an important skill that it's all about connection, right? It's all about connection. So if we think of, let's say, a leader, a leader or leadership, and we think of words connected with leadership communication, right? We probably think of being bold, strong, courage, setting the tone, you know, a follower, people have to follow you, right? But when it comes to, when it comes to this, when it certainly comes to this environment where we have to, in front of a screen, in front of a camera, it's all about connection. Connection is the number one thing. So it's all about kind of switching, helping, helping leaders to, okay, those words are applicable, but really here, the number one and the first thing you need to do is really think, okay, how can I connect? How can I connect better? And so, you know, it, it's all of those things, empathy, being transparent and clear, giving people space to think, letting people feel comfortable. Because at the end of the day, it's all about if you're good at this, you're somebody who makes people feel comfortable looking at you and listening to you and being with you, right? So that is really sort of, that's how I kind of got into it. And this is really where we are now helping leaders to do exactly that really make people feel i think yeah making people feel comfortable and ready and receptive for kind of a, a connection and once you've got that then it's so much easier to lead even better isn't it it's so much easier for people to listen to you more and it's so much easier to kind of share messages even if those messages are not exactly what people want to hear right if the negative the ne negative sides you if you can connect better from the beginning you're, you're setting yourself up for more, for more success as a leader. Yeah. Now, Peter, I was talking to the chairman of a board yesterday in relation to what you've just been saying. Wasn't talking to him about what you're saying, of course, but I mean, he brought up a topic yesterday that he was on a, on a Zoom call in a meeting. And then once he finished it, his wife happened to be walking past the room that he was in in the house. And she said to him, why are you getting so angry? And he was like, what? 
She said, your voice was really loud at times and you were like, you're really frustrated. What was going on? And he didn't realize that he was doing that. And he knew he was frustrated, but didn't realize the tone of his voice or the volume of his voice was going up. We were on Zoom meetings and things like that. Being on stage live, sometimes we need to be animated depending on the stage. And I don't mean to be out there being like a crazy person, but bigger sort of things because we look smaller on the stage. On a Zoom call and things like that, do we need to be on animated? What should we do there? Okay, so here's the thing. So again, so if it's in person and we're on a stage, we're on a, lots of people are looking at us. They're not maybe right in front of us. They're sort of further away. So, so this thing about using your energy and using your space equals confidence, right? So the more space we take up, usually if we're more people that are more confident in many ways are using more space, more space with their body, more space with their gestures, even more space between the fingers to show that they're actually more confident. It's a strange thing, but people who are confident, you never usually see politicians walking along with fingers that I'm showing you right now for the, you can see this, people that listen to this can't see this at all, but simply I've got my hands out and my fingers are like next to each other closed without a space between those fingers. Usually when, when politicians are, we can see it on the telly all the time, TV all the time, you can see that there's spaces between the, the, the fingers, almost as if they're always grabbing something, right? And, and that is something, as, as I say, space shows us that we're confident and that we're kind of in control of the situation, right? Here, here on this, on this crazy world we call Zoom, right? We don't have naturally as many cues or as much data to go by to absorb what's happening, right? So if you think of it like this, we have to amplify all our signals to make sure whoever's listening and, and looking at us, they are very clear about what's happening, right? So if I don't, if I, right, right now, okay, listeners can't see this, but Dennis, you can, right? So you can see me and I'm standing up, right? There's no, it's not by accident I'm standing up. I stand up all the time for these kind of exchanges because it makes me feel stronger it makes me feel more confident and it also the breath coming in gives a better quality of my voice right so that's the first thing right also you can see my gestures right so i'm making sure that you see my hands right so again those people who can't people can't see this so i'll just explain what what's happening literally i'm standing out and just below my chin between my chin and the bottom frame which is like the top half of my chest up to my chin this area here this is where I'm showing what my hands are doing. And I'm just making sure that Dennis can see my hands. Some of those gestures are kind of like illustrative gestures where I'm kind of illustrating something. Some of those are kind of like baton gestures, like I'm saying something more and putting it down. Some of them are kind of just rhythmic gestures, right? But you see my fingers, you see my hands or an indication of what they're doing. This for you gives you this impression that you're slightly closer to me or you slightly are more intrigued and curious as to what I'm saying. Also, certain things that I say, with the, obviously the tone that I'm saying them in and the intonation, together with a gesture, you're more likely to remember that or remember that phrase or that moment when it's coupled with a gesture, mm -hmm. right? So essentially, okay, a lot of gestures, a lot of gesture talk there, but essentially it's about being animated and making sure that what you share intrigues the brain of the person looking at you. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world.